electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed... Aaron Shimo was the kid next door. Eagle Scout. Churchgoer. Kingpin. He ran a criminal syndicate that had numerous people underneath him. Millions of dollars. Aaron Shamo is a clean-cut millennial from Salt Lake City. A young man with the resources to succeed. He had very, very good parents, good siblings, and really sort of fashioned himself a little bit of an entrepreneur. But despite his daily affirmations and positive thinking, he's breaking bad. Very bad. He was down in the basement running a pill press. And you're able to produce seven to 10,000 pills an hour, and you're churning out pills all day. You do the math. Tonight, the story of an unlikely dark web drug lord whose lifestyle is documented in social media photos that would come back to haunt him at trial. A story told by the reporters who chased him. You have a stereotype of what a drug kingpin is, and I don't think for a lot of people he would necessarily fit that stereotype. The feds who collared him. This product went to all 50 states, and the amount going to each place was just astronomical. And the families whose lives he'd change forever. When we found out it was made in someone's basement, we were just like, you have to be kidding me. This was one pill. They didn't know what they were really buying. Mr. Shamo was motivated entirely by greed. It's 10 a.m. on a quiet residential street in the picturesque suburb of Cottonwood Heights, Utah. Inside this home, 26-year-old Aaron Shamo is in his basement playing the video game Battlefield One. And just outside, a SWAT team is mobilizing to break his door open. We had to do this all very quickly. So the officers made a quick and rapid deployment entry into the house and everything was just kind of frozen as is until we knew what we were dealing with. What they are dealing with is synthetic opioids, including deadly fentanyl, up to 100 times stronger than morphine, and lots of it. During that time in 2016, fentanyl was not one of those things we really had an eye on. We had heard about it, but didn't have any active investigations and did not expect to find one of this scope, especially here in relatively quiet Salt Lake City, Utah. The investigation will uncover a new kind of drug ring, not Mexican cartels or inner city street gangs, but middle-class millennials choosing to create and sell illegal counterfeit opioids on the so-called dark web for one reason, pure greed. 
One of the first and most prolific is Utah's Ernan Michael Shamo, a.k.a. Pharma Master. Aaron Shamo is born in Salt Lake City, the youngest child and only son to a family with three daughters. Mr. Shamo was a average, clean-cut American kid, was raised in the faith of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He had a fairly normal childhood, had very, very good parents, good siblings, had some learning issues, uh, was popular, wasn't uh, bullied or particularly troubled as a child. But in junior high, Aaron begins to head down a darker path, skipping school and getting in trouble. So his parents send him to a strict Utah boarding school where he seems to excel, earning his high school diploma and the highest Boy Scout honor, the Eagle Scout Award for service and valor. That was one of the things I think that helped his family feel like, okay, he's really turned this around. He's gonna grow up and he's gonna be, um, uh, I mean, we can really be proud of. In 2009, Shamo enrolls at Utah Valley University. Aaron has always been fascinated with making it rich as an entrepreneur. His siblings are all very successful, and so they kind of set the bar high, and he felt like he wasn't living up to his family's expectations. And I guess to him, part of that was the money side, to make money and show that you're successful by the money you bring in and really interested in having sort of the million-dollar business idea. Reading books like Think and Grow Rich and books like The Secret to manifest your desires and, and your, your destiny. But two years in, he's failing classes and spending most of his time partying and delving into the fledgling world of Bitcoin mining. So he drops out and lands an entry-level job at eBay with his best friend, Drew Crandall. In less than a year, Crandall is fired, and Aaron Shamo thinks it's unfair that he still has to work, so he quits. The friends soon come up with a business plan combining two of their favorite things, party drugs and Bitcoin. They start off selling their own prescription Adderall on the dark web. A part of the internet reached through a special browser where guns and drugs are traded and money is exchanged through cryptocurrency. It was really his ability to use and to manage the cryptocurrency that helps unlock the door for him to be able to set up shop and become an e-commerce pioneer, if you will, on the dark web. Shamo and Crandall learn all they need on the web, searching with simple queries like how to ship drugs. Sales are immediate, so they decide to expand, ordering drugs in bulk, repackaging and selling at a markup. And he found that it was easy to purchase controlled substances through the internet, illegally of course, and that there was a huge market for that. At first it was drugs like Xanax, or erectile dysfunction pills because they were very popular. A few months into the operation, a local drug dealer gives Aaron Shamo some intel that changes his life. The big money is in fake oxycodone. Opioid abuse in the United States is at epidemic levels. In 2016, opioid abuse and particularly oxycotton addiction is blowing up and it's getting worse by the day. 
With limits on prescription pills, thousands of people are turning to illegal sources. Shamo's entrepreneurial mindset finally has a focus, and he decides to go all in, counterfeiting the pills himself. Shamo orders bulk supplies, including fentanyl from China, a much cheaper and more potent synthetic opioid used in counterfeit drugs. He sets up a pill press in his basement and watches YouTube videos to figure out how to make fake Oxycontin and Xanax. These kids were trying to come up with these recipes on their own. They weren't chemistry majors. They found information online, and they did this through trial and error. The first batch of pills they made were sort of turned away because they didn't quite look like oxycodone. They were all splotchy and speckled. But eventually, they got the formula down, and that means that their pills became incredibly popular. Powdered binders and fillers are mixed with fentanyl and shaken by hand. Dyes are added. Blue for oxys, for example. The mixture goes into the pill press hopper, and extruded pills are stamped with illegal counterfeit stamps, also purchased online, to match the original pharmaceutical markings. It is not uncommon with any type of even tabletop industrial pill press to be able to produce in between seven to 10,000 pills an hour. So if each pill on the street roughly goes for, say, in between 20 to $40, and you're able to produce seven to 10,000 pills an hour, and you're churning out pills all day, you do the math. You end up coming up with millions in dollars of illegal drug proceeds. Shamo calls his online storefront Pharma Master on one of the largest darknet marketplaces, Alphabay, which acts much like the legitimate eBay marketplace. Within a few months, word of Pharma Master's reliability and the quality of his pills starts to spread. Sellers like Mr. Shamla would be rated on things like quality, price, stealth, and that's their term for how expertly the seller ships the drugs to avoid law enforcement detection. And Mr. Shamlow's feedback was 360 pages worth of positive comments. You know, people saying he's the best dark net vendor, period. Business is so good that Shamo hires his gym buddy, Luke Paz, to mix and press thousands of oxy pills a week. He hires two friends full time for order fulfillment, packaging drugs in vacuum sealed Mylar bags and shipping out hundreds of orders coming in by encrypted mail. Shamo also hires his pal, Sean Gigi, as a runner, picking up the packed orders five days a week and dropping them off at various mailboxes around the Salt Lake Valley. Aaron Shamo is not your sort of bad guy movie image of a drug ring leader. He has lots of texting, lots of smiley face emojis, LOLs. These were sort of generally his friends and the communication reflected a lot of friendship between them. No wonder Aaron Shamo is yucking it up with his pals. He's growing richer by the day. But defense attorney Greg Scordis insists that for his client, it isn't all about the money, just partly about the money. I know that people will not believe this, but they really thought they were filling a niche. They thought that a lot of people were needing pain medication and couldn't get it. They were young kids and they really felt like they were helping people. And I know that's naive, but that's really what 
got them into it. And of course, they made a tremendous amount of money. Even if Shamo tells himself he's only helping people with chronic pain, by the summer of 2016, Farmer Master is shipping out up to 50 orders a day to customers in all 50 states and is in the top 1% of all distributors on Alpha Bay. Aaron Shamo sees himself as a success story, a budding young entrepreneur growing his startup. You both have somebody who's very motivated and very much wants to be this image of this sort of classic American image of a major entrepreneur somehow, but of course did apply it to this very illegal enterprise and did at the very least, it appears, not examine the consequences of what this could all bring about. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. In a suburb of Salt Lake City, business is booming. Money is flowing in, and packages are shipping out. One of them will travel 2,200 miles and change the recipients' lives forever. In the quaint Long Island town of Center Moriches, on Main Street's retail row, Tova Keblish owns Gavin's Treasures, a gift shop named after her only child. In 2016, Gavin Keblish is 23 years old and a recent University of Albany graduate working as a counselor for children in foster care. He graduated with a bachelor's, became an incredible counselor, basically for kids that were a little difficult. He understood them, he got them, and he did it very well because he knew what it was like to be misunderstood. According to his mother, Gavin has worked hard to overcome a severe ADHD diagnosis, and he's her pride and joy. We knew he would soar. We knew he would make incredible difference in the world because that's what he had. And I knew he would do amazing things. Gavin is also an avid motocross rider, having picked up the sport as a kid. But in 2015, he crashes on his bike and suffers a severe leg injury. After surgery, he is in excruciating pain for months, and the surgical site is not healing. We went back to an orthopedic, and they said, that's your bone exposed. And from there, he was placed in the hospital for about three months. Doctors try several procedures to help Gavin heal, each one more painful than the last. This poor kid in his early 20s has to live with a leg that looked like chopped meat. 
And he carried on after this. He went back to school. He graduated. He finished. He came home, and he was always in a lot of pain. It was difficult for him, and he always dismissed it. Tova Keblish says she doesn't know that Gavin is managing his pain with opioids. And when his doctors pull back on the prescriptions, Keblish turns to the dark web. He pulls up a site called PharmaMaster and places an order for oxycodone, 20 pills to be shipped to his mother's home in Long Island. Like every PharmaMaster order, it is sent in an encrypted email to two employees of Aaron Shamo, Alexandria Tong and Catherine Buston, who count out the pills in their suburban Utah condo, package the shipments and hand them off to Sean Gigi, who drops them in the mail. The envelope arrives in Long Island three days later. Gavin Keblish receives the package and makes plans to spend the weekend in the Hamptons with his friends. He goes, Mom, Dad, I'm just going to stay there because he knew he was going to hang out with his friends, he was going to be drinking. Yeah, he didn't, he, we were planning on taking him to go get a new truck the next day. He's like, I want to get a new truck. He had his own money at the time. So he said, okay, Saturday when you come home, we'll go for a car. The next day, Gavin is attending a party in the beach town of Montauk, New York. At some point in the night, according to investigators, he takes a Pharma Master pill. At 6 a.m. the next morning, a passerby sees what appears to be the body of a young man lying in a grassy area off the road. Police respond and identify him as Gavin Keblish. Later that day, Tova Keblish learns that her only child is gone, dead of a fentanyl overdose. We had found your son, and he had died roughly around 2 a.m., and that's all I remember. I don't remember anything else after that. For a year, the family is left with nothing but questions. How did this happen, and why? I will no longer have grandchildren. I'll no longer have her own wedding for her son. That's rough. That's real rough. Not being able to see the best of what he was going forward as he grows is very hard. Yeah, that's pretty hard. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Save big money and start your spring project with help from Menards. We offer a huge selection of body plants, veggies, and herbs to plant at home and grow yourself. Right now, all four and a half inch Bonnie plants are on sale through May 5th. Head to the Menards Garden Center to get your garden growing. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards.
In May of 2016, 26-year-old Aaron Shamo is living his dream. The college dropout has created a startup business, hired his closest friends, and grown to profitability in less than a year. He was kind of a young, college-age playboy. He liked to lift weights, he liked to be with the girls, he liked to look good, drive the nice cars, wear the fancy watch and the sporty clothes. That was him. He's young, living what he viewed as his best life now. In his personal journal, he writes affirmations inspired by his self-help books. I am Shamo. I am awesome. My friends love me. I created an empire. People look up to me. It sort of brings to mind like almost a combination of Breaking Bad and The Social Network. He would write these things and, and try to manifest them into the world. By the end of his first year in business, Shamo clears nearly $3 million. The only catch, his business model is totally illegal. He's selling thousands of counterfeit opioid pills through his dark website, PharmaMaster. But in the rush to meet demand, the quality of his product begins to slip. One review says, this is as close to an overdose as I have ever come. It just kept coming stronger and stronger. Another says, people are getting sick, which means people are overdosing. But if Aaron Shama was aware of any problems with his product, it is not slowing him down. At this point, PharmaMaster is generating roughly $100,000 in revenue each day. Shamo spends it on a house, a new BMW, weekend trips to Vegas, and first-class vacations. He had a heavy gambling addiction. He loved travel. He loved fine wines. He loved uh, cruises, um, going to the beach. He spent money right and left, as fast as he could get it. By this time, Drew Crandall, who started PharmaMaster with Shamo, is no longer intimately involved in the business, and Aaron Shamo is calling the shots. Shamo ups his profits when he starts selling in bulk, up to 20,000 pills at a time, to local drug dealers. This is how authorities believe 23-year-old Mitch Kuffner and his best friend, 23-year-old Devin Young, come in possession of Shamo's 30-milligram pills called Roxy-Oxycodone. Kuffner has spent his whole life in Woods Cross, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. He had a tough guy shell with pretty soft inner self. He loved to shoot, fish, his Jeep, Boston Red Sox, and his friends and family. In 2016, he works as a dairy manager at a local grocery store and is helping to raise his girlfriend's young son. He had moved into an apartment with his girlfriend and her little boy. He was looking at a promotion. He was doing good. He was living life. He had a good future. His best friend, Devin Young, suffers from depression. Devin's mother, Kelly, says that Mitch is Devin's biggest supporter. But on the night of June 8th, 2016, the friends make a fateful decision. They literally bought one oxycodone each. And the reason for that was, is my son had been depressed and, you know, Mitch had been working a lot and they thought, well, you know, if they each got one, they could go back, they could go to sleep at their own beds and 
get rested and maybe Devin would wake up in a better place and, you know, Mitch a little bit more rested. They each take a pill and go to their homes. But only Devin wakes up. Shayla Knighton is at work when she gets a frantic call and races home. Pulled up to the house. I saw my then-husband throwing up on the side of the road. My then 21-year-old son running down the driveway just in shock. Three cop cars. The officer wouldn't let me in the house. Shayla learns that her son Mitch has died from a fentanyl overdose. When they were taking Mitchell's body, I asked to see him, and they wouldn't let me see him. I remember my son Devin holding me up from falling to the ground. Mitch's friend Devin Young also took a pill. His mother finds him in bed. He was still overdosing when I found him. You know, I did paramedics and all of that that stuff, but, you know, after the fact, he had said that, you know, that's all we got. We got one oxy each. It never should have happened. It wasn't much later that he called me to tell me that Mitch had passed away. This was a one pill. This wasn't an addiction. They didn't deserve this. They didn't know what they were really buying. Um, You don't know what you're getting. Devin never recovers from his best friend's death. He was an absolute mess. It was devastating to watch. The kid could hardly eat. He was pretty wrecked. Six months later, out of guilt and feeling as if he was the cause of Mitch's death, Devin Young takes his own life. Yes, he had made some bad choices along the way, but the way I look at it is they both died two different manners of death, but it was all for the exact same reasons. It all came down to the fentanyl that they bought that night. That is ultimately what ended both of our kids' lives. Mitch and Devin are buried on the same hillside in a peaceful place near the mountains where their mothers can contemplate what might have been. Just thinking of what would he be doing today You know, where would he be? Would he be in a a happier place? You know, what what would he be doing? What would his kids look like? Would he have married the girlfriend? It's just, it's not, it's not fair. Today, overdose is the leading cause of death of Americans under 50. This is a Customs and Border Protection mail inspection facility near LAX where 40 million packages coming in from 180 countries pass through every year. The International Mail Facility seizes illicit drugs on a daily basis. This is essentially one large seizure factory. On the day American Greed goes inside, a canine officer is searching for suspicious packages containing any number of illegal drugs, including highly deadly fentanyl. Here, the dog alerts his canine officer by sitting down in front of a suspicious package. Oh, that's a good boy. That's a good dog. The box is removed and tested on site. 
using an instrument which allows the officers to identify substances without having to fully open the packages. This is telling me right away that it knows that this is fentanyl. And here's the scientific name for it. In July 2016, a package much like this one comes in from Guangdong, China, heading to a suburb of Salt Lake City, Utah. It is flagged for inspection. Inside, the officer IDs the synthetic opioid fentanyl, now well known, but at the time, just starting to hit the U.S. from China. CBP is concerned. They refer the case to federal agents in Utah. Two of my agents came in my office and said, hey, there's a package of fentanyl that was intercepted and it was addressed to someone in Utah. We want to write a search warrant and go see what that person's doing. That person is an unassuming Salt Lake City resident, 26-year-old Sean Gigi. When we started doing a background on Mr. Gigi, again, very unassuming, didn't fit the typical profile that people view as a drug trafficker or a drug dealer. We did surveillance on Mr. Gigi, and we ended up approaching him. Gigi initially tells investigators that he accepts packages for his friend Aaron Shamo, and he thinks that they are filled with ecstasy pills. My agents said to him, those packages that you were getting had fentanyl in them. And they watched as Mr. Gigi's countenance changed. After thinking over his options, Gigi agrees to cooperate. He tells investigators that he works full-time for Aaron Shamo. He said, look, not only was I accepting packages for Mr. Shamo in the mail, but for the last several months, he hired me to be a daily employee. And most nights of the week, I pick up packages off a doorstep, and I take those packages to blue post office collection boxes throughout the community, and he pays me a bi-weekly wage to do it. And so the agents asked him to do two things. The first was put on a wire and have a conversation with Mr. Shamo, and he did. They met face-to-face. Gigi is recording when he arrives at Aaron Shamo's house. What up, man? Hi, Good. How's it going? Good. We went live uh, yesterday. Are you able to pick up tonight? Yeah, I uh, I missed last night because I had a bit of an emergency, but uh, okay, do no double duty tonight, get them both out. So awesome. Turned out it was payday that night, so it worked out real well. Mr. Shamo paid Mr. Gigi, and then Mr. Shamo and Mr. Gigi talked about their future plans. And Shamo related that he wanted to expand his operation, and he wanted Gigi to move to Colorado and start building a foundational enterprise there. So March or April, let's aim for that for Colorado. So start looking for places. You want to get like a separate room that basically is just dedicated for that. That's what I would suggest. So that way you're not bothered. That's what my uh, current shippers do is they literally just have one room that they dedicate to. So if you can, that'd be great. Okay, okay. Next, Gigi allows agents to follow as he picks up 79 packages from the shipper's doorstep to mail to PharmaMaster customers. This time, however, he doesn't drop them in the post boxes. He scooped them up and then drove with the agents immediately to a local police station where they could set them out on tables and start to go through it. And as they opened these boxes, you know, they found 10,000 fentanyl pills in a box, 20,000 pills in a box. 
Aaron Shamo's operation was nothing like I had ever seen. Mr. Shamo's enterprise was one of the first large-scale dark web storefronts that we had dealt with. At one point, I know we were able to identify over 8,000 package recipients all across the continental United States. We had to act quickly. Our number one goal was to locate where are the tablets being manufactured. Two days before Thanksgiving, dozens of agents from the DEA, Homeland Security Investigations, and the National Guard suit up for a surprise drug bust on an unlikely residential block. Cottonwood Heights is kind of a sleepy little upper middle class suburban area south of Salt Lake. The last neighborhood that I honestly thought I would be doing a search warrant in for a counterfeit tabloiding enterprise. Those seizing evidence at Aaron Shamo's home don hazmat suits to avoid direct contact with fentanyl, which is so powerful, a few flakes touching the skin have caused officers to overdose. They called him out, pulled him out, then placed under arrest. Inside, there was a pill press running, just a rotary pill press just pounding away. They saw powder all over the walls. The room was full of mason jars, that's how they were mixing their ingredients to go into the pills. They put it in a mason jar, screw the lid on, and shake it. Agents seize $1.2 million in cash from a sock drawer and another $429,000 stored at Shamo's parents' house. But it took them a lot longer, actually, to find one of his biggest sources of cash, and that was Bitcoin. They eventually found 500 Bitcoin that were linked to his accounts. At the time, it was worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. Eventually, the government sells Shamo's Bitcoin for more than $5 million. Across town, agents execute a search warrant at the apartment of Alexandria Tong and Catherine Buston, Shamo's shippers. He brought them in to help do the packaging. They would put them in envelopes and then send them to whoever around the country had ordered them. They were working so fast. When pills would drop on the ground, they would just vacuum them up. They weren't even worth picking up. When Shamo's friend and former partner Drew Crandall learns of the arrest from overseas, he quickly shuts down the Pharma Master store on Alpha Bay. But investigators have already got what they need from another one of Shamo's friends and customer service employees, 24-year-old Mario Noble. Mr. Noble, because he did customer service, had access to some of Pharma Master's pages on Alpha Bay. And so the agents went in with him and took screenshots, trying to preserve the evidence that was online so we wouldn't lose it. Six months later, Drew Crandall is arrested upon arriving in Hawaii, where he planned to get married. In all, eight of Shamo's other co-conspirators are arrested and all agree to cooperate with the government. Two years after his arrest, Aaron Shamo is set to stand trial, accused of 12 drug counts, including leading a continuing criminal enterprise, sometimes referred to as the kingpin charge, which carries a mandatory life sentence, and one count for the overdose death of 21-year-old Ruslan Kluyev, of California. Our focus at trial was the two most serious offenses that the grand jury charged Mr. Shamo with. The first was engaging in a continuing criminal enterprise, and then the second was the distribution of fentanyl that resulted in a man's death. 
Evidence from Shamo's computers has led investigators to at least 90 Pharma Master customers that died of fentanyl overdose. We could track Shamo's orders and just through searching obituaries and talking to law enforcement in different areas, confirm OD deaths from Mr. Shamo's pills. Of the 90 cases prosecutors believe are tied to Shamo's pills, they decide to charge him with the Kluyev case because of the evidence, including a photo from the death scene showing the victim's body and a Pharma Master pill package in the trash bin next to him. What the toxicologist was able to show was that he had alcohol in his system and that he also had fentanyl. And so at trial, we called a medical doctor to interpret those findings and give her opinion that the alcohol didn't kill him. Nothing else killed him. But for the fact that he ingested the fentanyl that night, he never would have died. Shamo's defense attorney, Greg Scordas, acknowledges his client committed crimes in selling drugs on the dark net, but says he did not cause anyone's death and was not a kingpin. Well, there's no question the government wanted to make example out of this case. And Aaron, unfortunately, was right in their crosshairs. Shamo's attorney instead tries to convince the jury that his client got into the drug business to help people. It was wrong, it was criminal, but they really felt that they were filling a niche with the public to help people who really were suffering from pain, chronic pain, and couldn't get help for it. The jury, however, does not buy that argument. After a four-week trial, they find Aaron Shamo guilty on 12 of 13 counts. The jury is unable to reach a verdict on the charge that he caused the death of Ruslan Kluyev. I think it would have been very hard for the jury to say, okay, those particular pills from Aaron were the cause of death. And in fact, they couldn't find that. That one count of the 13 that were brought against Aaron Shamo, the jury did not make a decision on. However, law enforcement authorities do believe that there was a connection between what was being sold on the dark web through Alpha Bay under Pharma Master's name and 90 people taking those pills and dying. During the sentencing hearing, more than 60 of those overdose victims' families are able to share their stories with the court. They were loved people. They were brothers, sons, grandsons, fathers, friends. They had lives, they had people that loved them. They meant something to people, they're not just numbers. At the hearing, Aaron Shamo states, I'm deeply sorry and regret the decisions that I made. I made a fool of myself and brought embarrassment to my family that I will never be able to wash away. On October 15, 2020, the judge sentences 30-year-old Aaron Shamo to life in federal prison. He ran a criminal syndicate that had numerous people underneath him. Millions of dollars, millions of pills going all over the continental United States. Do I think a life sentence is too long for Aaron Shamo? No. Because somebody's kid, somebody's wife, is never coming back because of what Aaron Shamo did. Their life is gone. And I think Aaron Shamo has to pay the price for what he did, and that's exactly what he got. And the jury obviously felt the same. 
In July 2021, the eight other suburban Utah millennials who worked with Aaron Shamo and testified against him learned their fates. The co-conspirators, including Sean Gigi, Luke Paz, Alexandria Tong, Catherine Buston, and Drew Crandall, all received reduced sentences between probation and 60 months in prison for their part in the scheme. My sincere hope is that Mr. Shamo's case is a cautionary tale for anyone who's interested in making a quick buck by selling poison, by administering death through the dark web. I want those people to know that there are people like me and my investigators who work tirelessly day in and day out to find them, to identify them, and to bring them to justice. On a hot summer evening, friends and family are gathered at the home of Tova Keblish on Long Island, where Tova's son, Gavin, should be celebrating his 28th birthday. Instead, his mother is hosting a party for what she calls Gavin's angel-versary, or the day her son died from a fentanyl overdose. Mrs. Keblish invited American Greed to capture the remembrance. Thank you, and I just want you to send your wishes to Gavin, and we're all going to put it in a separate place in the Gavin's garden, which you know is all wrapped around. And then we will be doing the lanterns, too. So make sure you guys do a lantern, too. All right? We love all right. you, I love you guys. Now that the trial is done, it's over with, it's kind of like severing the pain and uh, the hardship that we have gone through. And we're going to be doing basically that, a celebration of Gavin's life. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.